I'm excited about our message today. We've been speaking on this series um, recently um, about I'm in, that I'm in, I'm a part of something. And it's really speaking four things of identity that God has for you in your life. It's really interesting because this morning, you know, this, this whole thing of, um, of identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, is so, so significant. Um, the, uh, the, the reality is, so we just flew, flowed out of an uh, Identity in Christ conference with P- Pastor Bob Smart. How many of you were able to be at that conference? Several of you. It was really, really, really good. And um, it, it's interesting because in that conference, he talked about four core lies, or not four core lies, but about nine core lies, things that the enemy, that the world tries to put on us, and have us believe. And so I'm sitting here working on this message. I'm just going to be very transparent this morning. Um, I, I was working on this message early this morning, just tweaking it up, and I get up about five-ish on Sunday mornings and just work on it and pray and see if there's anything else we want to say. And um, I'm, I'm working on this thing about identity in Christ, and, and um, today's uh, message specifically um, is, uh, is I'm invaluable. So I'm, I'm working this through my heart, and I'm praying, God, just let everyone really receive this message this morning that they're invaluable. And then right in the middle of that, I'm sitting at my desk in my office at home, and, and, um, and the enemy totally spoke into my heart, my core lie. And why don't you pull up that screen real quick, Elliot? So these are the core lies that, um, that Pastor Smart shared with us that we, we tend to believe. I, um, and, and, uh, or nine basic fears or core lies. Um, these come from the Enneagram. We'll talk about that more sometime. But look at this list and ask yourself, do you ever feel this? Do any of these apply to you? I am corrupt, evil, or defective. You know it's not true, but you believe it. So look at these. I am corrupt, evil, or defective. I am unworthy of being loved. Do you believe that about yourself? I am worthless. That's the highlighted one. That's what the enemy was speaking to me this morning. I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm writing a message to you guys to stand in front of you and say, you're invaluable, and then right in the midst of that, the enemy says, yeah, but you're worthless. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am unknown and personally insignificant. I am useless, helpless, and incapable. Some of these are resonating with you right now. I am without support and guidance. I am deprived and hurting. <clears throat> I'm a victim and controlled by others. I am voiceless and anxious. So without raising your hand on any one of those, how many of you could say that, yeah, one of those, I've heard that voice inside me at some time in my life speaking one of those to me. Raise your hand up high. Yeah, m- really most of us, if not all of us, when you really think through it. And so this morning, I'm thinking that. I'm, I'm writing this message and working on it about I'm invaluable, and the enemy comes and says I'm worthless. And I felt worthless, and so this is what I do, a little practice of Jason, what I love most to do when I, I just, there's something, I don't know what it is, but um, it's cute. We tell you sometimes some little things that, that the pastoral team does. Um, Aubrey shared this about Brandon one time. Is Aubrey here? I saw her here somewhere. She's downstairs with the kids. You're going to love this about Pastor Brandon. <laughs> this is so awesome. And I have a microphone, so I can share it. <clears throat> Um, if anyone, if he starts making his way up Rambeck, you're bigger and stronger. You grab him, okay? But this is what Pastor Brandon does. Aubrey shared this one time. Whenever Pastor Brandon just wants to just, he just misses his wife, she says that she'll just hear this little, this little unique whistle. 
around the house. And it's not like a, you know, whistling for your dog or something like that. But she said it's just this really weird thing that it's... Am I getting that about right? (laughs) About right. And what that means is, I miss you, Aubrey. I want to, I want to, I want to, I just want you around me. Well, what I do, and I just think that's so awesome. How many of you just think that's the sweetest little thing? I love that. Um, See, he's not so big and angry and mad. Um, With me, I go in and I ask Nancy, I just say, would you just lay your head on my chest? And there's something about it. And so I went to the bedroom this morning, and I just said, Nancy, I just need 10 minutes. Would you just lay your head on my chest? And she did. And, and I asked her, am I worthless? And she goes, no. And she began to speak things over me. And sometimes I ask her, I say, Nancy, would you just put your hand on top of my head? And sometimes I'll just grab her hand and put it on my head, and I'll put my hand over her hand. I'll just say, would you just say that again? And she'd say, no, you're, you're amazing. You're, you're, the, you're a child of God. And she'll just begin to speak these things over me. And I need that. I need that to counter that voice of the, the enemy in my life. Can you follow me? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just need to speak identity over one another. And these are the lies of the enemy that he uses in our life to try and speak something false over us. But I'm here to tell you today, now that I've worked all that through <clears throat> this morning, that... You are invaluable. Everyone say, I'm invaluable. Amen. I agree with you. You're invaluable. You are invaluable to God's work. And I I just want to be really, really clear. Invaluable doesn't mean not valuable. It means that you are of the highest value. You are of the highest value. And there's really two ways. If you're taking notes this morning, um, I'll I'll give you a few statements. But the, the first reason that you're invaluable is this. Number one, real simple. There's an intrinsic value of you because you are a child of God. Everyone say that. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. You're created in his image. God created you in his image. You're a child of God. Jesus tells this awesome parable about about the sheep, how there's a a shepherd and he has a hundred sheep, and one of those sheep wanders away, right? And, and, And it goes away. And um, he goes after, he leaves the 99 behind and he goes after this one sheep. And, and why, did he do, why did he do that? Because he loved that sheep so much that he gave up time with the other 99 to go and get that one. Now that hits a lot of you on some personal levels because some of you have children and, and one of them's gone away or you've got a relationship that's, that's off or there's something where you would, you would leave what's important to you for now. You get it safe and in order, but then you'd go and you'd take all the time you need to find that one. Now, sometimes we think, well, maybe that doesn't, that doesn't mean a lot to me as much as you think it does, Jason, because let's say I, I owned uh, 100 bracelets, right? And you'd lost one. And you'd think, well, I mean, I've got 99 more. I can live without that one bracelet, right? I, I, so some of you say, I've never really gotten that, but put, put it in perspective of something you really, really love. Like I've got five children, right? About half the time I know where Cece's at, all right? Nancy, where's Cece at? Downstairs. Okay, good. So we've, now we know, right? <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have to leave. But, um, but think about that. My, my stance is going to be, well, I've got five children. You know, Cece's gone. I've still got four more left. You see what I mean? So here's the thing is, you're of the greatest value. That God doesn't say, oh, you know, you're just, 
You know, I got so many more to backfill you. God says, if it were only you, I would go after you with all my heart. I love that Lauren, or is them, what's that Lauren Daigle song? Uh, how does it go? You know, you want to come up and sing it for us impromptu? Just kidding, I won't do me. But that one about, um, someone help me out here. No, 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 no. I shouldn't do this in front of a whole group of people. I should have. It's that one about, I, I would send an army. I will send out an army to find. Who is that? Yeah, to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. He will do anything to get you back. He will not rest until you are home. Are you wandering right now? And some of you are. There's wandering Christians even in this room. In a room of this size, always someone that's wandering. God says, you might be wandering, but I'm after you. And I will not stop my chase. And even to the day you breathe your last breath, I am after you, chasing you. Isn't it an awesome thing to know that you have the God who will never, ever stop pursuing you? Why? Because, say it with me, you are invaluable, of the highest value, because you're a child of God. There's a second reason that you're invaluable, and it's this, because you have intrinsic value as a child of God, but also because you have very practical value. You are invaluable to the body of Christ. You are invaluable to this church. You are, let me say that again, you are invaluable to this church, to this body of believers, to Journey Church here in Bloomington, Illinois, the one that God has you at. You are absolutely invaluable to this body of believers. And this is such an important message because so many of us look around and we see all the other people that that seem to do these things that get that are viewed, right? So every, I've got 52 views or 40 views per year up here preaching. You know, Brandon and Clark, you know, now that, that we've got this whole great teaching team, I'll get a few less views this year. Brandon and Clark are going to get some more views and we'll get some other people with views. But so you view what other people do. You view that person who's greeting. You view that person that's you know, gets to share some teaching and we think... Where am I at? How I don't get those views. Where is my value? And it's really that social media thing. We post something. How many views did I get? Oh, and you wait. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Did I get a click? Did I get a like? Did I get a whatever? We want these views. But God is saying, it doesn't matter how many views you get in your service. When, you've got, when you're serving me, you get one view that never stops watching. You get infinite views in the kingdom of heaven. Guys, let me just tell you something. We have no idea how many angels. It says that the hosts of heaven are about us, that we do things with a cloud of witnesses. And I believe that witnesses are earthly witnesses, but I also believe it's, it's bazillions, make up a number, of heavenly hosts watching what you do, watching, hoping that you make the right choice, helping you to see something. I remember one time... <laughs> You guys are going to think I'm weird after this. We'll have half the congregation next week, right? It's a warm day, so there's a lot of people missing. You know, um, there'll be half this next week when I tell you this, but that's okay. I, I, I think that angels like to hang out in your life and do stuff. I remember one time I made a vow that I, I was going to get off sugar and, um, and I wasn't going to drink pop. I was fasting off of, off of soda. It was, it was not for a health reason. It's just something I didn't want to give up, and it was Mountain Dew. 
And I remember a few times, I go to the vending machine, and I'd, I'd push the Mountain Dew button during this fast that I'd consecrated to the Lord, all right, for a spiritual purpose. And so I'm breaking it, and I'm going to the Mountain Dew machine, right? Because, you know, certainly God will know that I need my energy right now so that I can pray during this fast for Mountain Dew, right? I mean, your brain does all sorts of crazy things. But I, I went, and I got this Mountain Dew, and, uh, or I, I pushed the machine, and the machine would not let the dew come out. It would not let the Mountain Dew come out. I'm like, I've used this machine forever in the one time. And it wouldn't do it. And I just get this idea of this angel just kind of smiling, holding on to that dew can, <laughs> saying, I'm helping you, buddy, but you got to help me. <clears throat> and so I did what any good Christian would do. And I, I actually thought that at a time. I thought there's an angel holding that can, helping me out because they are ministering spirits. Why wouldn't they? I'm, I'm going there, guys. I think they do this kind of stuff, right? Is holding a Mountain Dew can the most glorious assignment an angel can have? No, but with me, that's what you get, right? So I go down, I do a good Christian thing, and I say, well, I need to go to the next Mountain Dew machine. So I go down one floor, and it will not give me that can of dew. I'm like, so his buddy, he's like, whatever, you know, walkie-talkies or whatever angels use, you know, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it either. Yeah, Dom Kaler's on his way down. Yes, he wants the Mountain Dew. No, I held the Mountain Dew. No, he... And so I go down, and I push the button, and I can't get the dumb Mountain Dew. <clears throat> so again, I do what any, you know, godly pastor in, the, in you know, 26 years would do, and I go down to the next level, <clears throat> and guess what? I get the Mountain Dew. So I know there's two angels on floor four and floor three saying, yeah, he's coming down to number two. No, th- I got an idea. Oh, I got a great idea. No, let him get the Mountain Dew. Let me tell you the idea. So I get the Mountain Dew out, and I pop it open. You know what it does? <clears throat> and, then, and then I go to take a sip of this Mountain Dew that half of it's on my face. You can't make this kind of stuff up, all right? And I start to take a drink of it, and then literally the can just go bap like that. It flies across the little break room, hits the microwave, and drops to the ground. It's pouring out all over the floor. And of course, someone's walking by right at that moment, looks at me. Shakes her head, keeps on walking. <clears throat> and you know what I do? I think angel number three just goes, all right, bam. <laughs> Can you relate to me? Has anything like that ever happened to you? It's like, I think, why not? If I were an angel, and that was my, if I was their assignment, I'd say, guys, we're gonna, we got to have fun with this, right? <clears throat> but we live our life in, in front of a crowd of witnesses. And I think just as much as, as sometimes this cloud of witnesses, angels intervene in our life, they're, they're there watching helping us make right decisions, helping us. The, the Holy Spirit is our guide, but he sends ministering spirits to help us. And my whole point is this. A lot of us think it's so difficult to think that, God, what am I really born for? You are born for greatness. God, let me give you a good, simple truth. God knows nothing of defeat. He doesn't know what it is to lose. And you are made in the image, the very image of God. You are his likeness. And so we're making decisions every day. And we need to make our decisions based on the fact that we are invaluable to God's work. Uniquely prepared with divine gifts, divine passions, with talents, with angels, ministering spirits that are going to help us to to accomplish the work that the Holy Spirit, the guide, our, our, our guide on earth who lives inside of us is is prompting us to do. He, he is 
made you invaluable. And you, I believe, are alive at this moment in history to do great things for him. But maybe not things that you would say are great or the world that would say that is great, but because you are you and you are talented and gifted in the way that you are, God says, you doing what you have been called to do is greatness. I love it. It was, uh, uh, who was it that said this? Oh yeah, it was uh, Mark Twain who, who said, look at a man who does, or a woman, who simply does what must be done. That is greatness. Look at a Christian who simply does what God has created them to do no matter what it is. And that is greatness in the kingdom of God. And Paul gives us this um, great comparison. Um, um, in the Corinthian church, and we're going to 1 Corinthians 12, if you've got your Bibles. Um, the Corinthians were um, not people, most of them, of noble birth. Many had been slaves. They weren't highly educated. Um, they were not born with a silver spoon in their mouth. The Corinthian church was known kind of for their vice. Um, they had a lot of insecurities. They, they were not well-trained. Um, it would be easy for other Jews or even other Christians at that time to look at Corinthians and say, eh, marginal church, not very talented, not very capable. But Paul goes to them and he gives them this great metaphor. And this is in the context, first ch- 1 Corinthians 12 is a great book in the Bible. It first starts talking about diversity of gifts in the first half of 1 Corinthians 12, the diversity of the gifts and how some have this gift, and it talks about spiritual gifts. Some have ability to do this, some have ability to do that, some speak in a song, some prophesy, some all the various gifts. And then he goes into this analogy of the body, the body of Christ, which talks about the practical expression of our gifts within God's church. And so he basically says this. I'm going to alliterate a little bit. um, That the human body has many parts, but many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Saying just like this, I've got hands and feet and they they do things. It's the same way in the body, body of Christ. You've got an ear, you've got an eye, you've got a nose, you've got a hand, you've got a thumb, you've got all these different pieces, you've got a knee. But all these parts make up one body. I know you've heard this preached on many times, but I want you to Listen with some different, a different body part and in a little different way, your ears. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little explanation here. We're going to have some fun here for a sec. So let's get these, uh, those pictures ready, guys. So we're going to play a little game, a um, um, little game show. No prizes this morning, all right? But um, we'll have a little fun for a second. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to show you an animal, and I'm going to ask you what we call it when we see a group of these animals. So go ahead and pull up the first elephant. That's an elephant, right? You recognize that? It's a what? A herd. Okay, very good. A herd of elephants. Okay, next animal. That's a lion. You guys are good. Okay, you're all winners. I'm glad I didn't say there'd be a prize. Okay, so it's a pride of lions, all right? Herd of elephants, pride of lions. Okay, look at this. Next one. What are those? Cheetahs. What do you call a group of cheetahs? Cheetos. Ah, sorry. I had to go there. <laughs> okay, sorry. Where's that little cane that now pulls me off, right? What do, you, what do you call, does anyone know what you call a group of cheetahs? No, that's good. Streak? That's good because they run fast. No, I don't want you guys to guess. So streak, what else? 
not a pack. They are a, um, a coalition. A coalition of cheetahs. Okay, what's the next one? Donkeys. Okay, what do we call donkeys? A pace. A pace of donkeys. All right, next one. This one's kind of creepy. Those are crows. Oh my gosh, you. Wow, I can't believe Some of you said that with some vigor. Murder! Uh, Eddie, get ready to usher some people out, okay? I know, that was a murder of crows. Okay. Nothing good about a murder of crows. All right, let's look at this next one, um, the last one. What are those? Vultures. What do you call that little group? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It's a hungry of vultures. Uh, You call that a uh, a committee. (laughs) Let me tell you, if you get called to come in and present before the vulture committee, you need to get out, all right? Committee. Each animal has its own name, and you can go on and on, and these are really interesting, but the whole idea is this. When you get a cheetah and it becomes a, a coalition of cheetahs, a group of cheetahs, when you look at them as a group, get a different name. They get a different identity. And so what do you get when you get a whole bunch of believers together? Not perfect people, but a bunch of followers of Christ. What do you call a group of Christ followers? What is it? Yeah, body of Christians. The body of Christ. Christians, the body of Christ. Someone that, you've, that says, I've submitted myself to the Lordship of Christ is a Christian. And that group is a follower of Christ. They're the body of Christ. They're believers. You might even call them, sometimes they get called disciples. Well, what do you call, when you get a, the body of Christ, a group of believers, disciples, whatever we want to call that group of people that were a Christian, but now there's a new identity because you're together, and they begin to work together. They gather together in a place. You call that the what? You call it the church. Because when we're together... We have a different identity. And I want to tell you a more powerful identity. And so, I, you know, I, I once had, um, I love my pastor Fred who called me and helped through the Holy Spirit call me into ministry and mentor me up. You know, he, he used to say people would come to him and say, well, I'm against the organized church. And his comment to that was, well, I've never seen the disorganized church do a whole lot. <laughs> Think about it. There's power when we come together. And there's a power and a recognition that on my own, I'm, I'm a disciple. But when I gather together with a spirit-filled, word-empowered group of believers, I have a new identity. And I'm in his body. And it changes the way I do things. It changes my approach. When, when I'm his feet, I take the message of Jesus to different places. When I'm his mouth, I lift up others through my spoken word and point them to the goodness and encourage them in Christ. I don't mean a preacher. I just mean using your mouth wherever you're at and whatever relationships God has put you in. When you are his heart, you express the love of Christ to hurting people in a powerful, powerful way, in a way that no counselor, that no, um, that no music, no, nothing can do in the way that someone that conveys the heart of Christ. You're an invaluable part of the body of Christ. And anytime your enemy tells you that you are not important, you're not good enough, you just step back and you say, no, you're wrong. 
because that's not my identity. He's speaking false identity over you. You say, no, I'm, I'm God's created one. His, he sent his son for me. His spirit dwells within me. I'm different. I'm invaluable. I'm a part of the body of Christ. <clears throat> Nancy and I and our kids, some of our kids listened to a teaching um, by a guy named Randy Garris recently. It was so good. So I want to work, give credit where it's due. But he talked about, and this is just a little aside, so we're talking about your invaluability, and we're talking about decisions. Remember my Mountain Dew analogy, right? Um, the, uh, the reality is that so many of the decisions that we make in life are influenced by who we believe we are. And this is, so, this is why this is so important. Because if you don't know who you are, it's going to affect the decisions and what you make and what you are. So if you get who you are right, what you do will, will, will be much more in line with who God is. So I've got a little um, hastily put together uh, thing that I made. You're not going to be able to read this. In PowerPoint worlds, they tell you not to do this. But here's, here's your little drawing, okay? These are the notes that I took. <clears throat> and here's your little aside. How many have to make a decision in the next week about anything? Everybody, right? Some of them are going to be small. Some of them are going to be really big. Some of you are facing big decisions, some small decisions. Some, but, but remember, we, we came up with that you make thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions every day, just in the background, every single day. Um, here's your decision-making tree, all right? You start, every good decision starts with who you are. And there's the thought at the, at the top. I am made in the image of God. Before you make any decision, you come to that identity decision of who are you? I am Christ. I'm like Christ. I'm a Christian. And I am made in the image of God. So dumb analogy, but let's just say you were thinking about robbing a bank, right? Robbing a bank. I know no one's probably thinking about that, so go with the dumb analogy, but it's, it'll help you understand this. I, 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 I think I might want to rob a bank. Well, let me put that against who I am. I am made in the image of God. Well, because of that what? Well, God probably wouldn't rob a bank, right? So then um, you move to reason, right? So we move from my identity to you reason based on that. And man, you know, I don't want people to think of me as somebody who robs banks. Why? Because I'm, say it with me, made in the image of God. It wouldn't reflect well on him. Would reflect melt well on me. So I don't want to make that decision. And then you have longings and emotions. It kind of moves to that level where you think, you know what? People don't trust people that rob banks. And I want people to trust me. I want to be someone that's honorable. I have this right longing in my life that I want to do things right. I want to live this life right. And so what do you do? You don't rob the bank right? So we, this is how important this is, and this is just kind of the background of the outplay of how your identity and how you view yourself is so critical to just how you live your life. I want you to get that inside of you because God wants you to get that inside of you. You are made in the image of God. It, as, as, as a Christian, which means a little Christ, you are called to win. You are, you are called to be more than a conqueror 
in Christ Jesus. You are called, Jesus says, you know, the, the scripture talks about be perfect as I am perfect. And we think, oh, I can't do that. I can't live a perfect life. No, you can't. But you can follow the perfect God and identify yourself with him and he will perfect the decisions that you make. Are you following me this morning? So we need to do that and you need to understand that you're invaluable and so that your decisions need to be in line with the creator who made you in his, in his image. And because of that, you can move past that. So if you just get that down, <clears throat> I am made in the image of God, then you are set up to begin living a life where you can play your part in the body of Christ. Because the enemy wants to do this. He wants to lead us down a road where we don't start there. We start with, you know, I'm worthless. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and those core lies that I talked about earlier, I'm worthless or I'm overlooked or I, I'm, I, don't have a, I, I don't have enough in me or I've sinned too much, right? That God, God could never love me. And if you start your decision-making, then you'll never arrive at your place in the body of Christ. You'll never arrive where God wants you to or where he's created you for because you started at the wrong place with a wrong understanding of who you are. So I want you to settle it right now, and I want you to say that top line with me, and I want you to mean it with all your heart. Say it. I am made in the image of God. Yes, you are. And all your decisions can flow from that. Amen. All right. So every part of the body matters. Every part matters. And I think it's almost like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 sense that people might not really believe that. They might not really believe that, that they matter. And that um, he might have had this understanding of the Corinthian church that they had a, more of a feeling of, I can't really make a difference. I'm an unknown. I, 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 my, my part is so small. Why do I, why do we, I even bother? And, and you, it, we can see that in verse 14. When the Holy Spirit led Paul to write this, he uses this metaphor again about the body and he said, yes, the body has many parts, many different parts. So he wants us to see that, that not just one part, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, and I want you to just stop and think about that for a second. You remember Monsters Incorporated? Anyone? Remember Mike? That's a body, with, that's an eye, all right? I, I forgot to tell the guys to get a picture of that. You, know, you don't want to look like that, all right? If the body of Christ just looked like an eye, we would look like a monster, right? A really cute one, you know, with, that makes good jokes. But that's not what God's created us to be, right? Um, so we don't want to do that. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? Every part of the body matters. It matters. And this is a great portion of scripture because so often we, we have that feeling that my part doesn't matter. It's interesting how Paul um, contrasted it to um, uh, the ear to an eye because if you, if you go with this for a second, if you're an ear, you might, you might be jealous of the eye, right? Because everyone always looks at what? The eyes. So, you know, the ear might say, man, why am I not an eye? You know, no one ever says, hey, you're the apple of my ear, right? They never say that. Or, you know, you never, if you're in love, you don't stare longingly into someone's ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could. It might be a little weird. Um, 
Yeah, you, that might be really, really weird, so don't do that. <laughs> um, you, ne- you, never, um, you never have ear-to-ear conversations with people. Man, I really want to go ear-to-ear on this, right? It's eye-to-eye. It's, it, it, it's, it's important. Your part is important. Your voice, your opinion, your comp- contribution, it all matters. Let's look at verse 22. He says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and they seem like they're the least important are actually the most necessary. What does that mean? It means that the people that get overlooked the most for natural reasons may very well be the powerhouse that is moving the body of Christ forward more than anyone. So maybe you feel overlooked or or you're, you're, you're the ear that no one's staring at or you're that part of the body that, you know, that people keep covered up and you think, that's me. But every part is so incredibly significant. If you study it, you know, you know that old childhood thing that, um, what is it, um, that little, this little piggy went to the market, this little piggy did what? This little piggy, this little piggy, and this little piggy went, right? So how many of you are like, I don't want to be the little wee, wee, wee pinky that runs home. You know, that's, there's no glory in that. And that, What do you think pinkies think? You know, like, this is terrible. You know? <laughs> but if you look into it, did you know? And, and what part of the hand do you not want to live without? If you had to keep one, right? The one that went to the market, right? Why did it go to the market? Because it's the big, it's the big one, right? The important one. But did you know that if you study the hand, that the pinky is 50% of the strength of the hand. And if you had to pick one or the other, if you really looked at the statistics and you had to give up the pinky or the thumb, you might pick your pinky because it's 50% of the strength of the hand comes from your pinky. You know that little thing that flaps around in the back of your throat? Does it even even know what that's called? What the heck does that do? Aside of get, like, irritated, like, in your sinus infection, like, once a year, and it bothers you. You know, it's like, who, God, you must have created that for some reason before the fall, because afterwards, it means nothing. Did you know that your uvula, over the course of your lifetime, this is kind of gross, but it's important, produces enough saliva, your uvula, never knew this, to fill up two swimming pools? Now, some of you are disgusted by that. But listen, if you had to live your life with two swimming pools, less saliva. Can you imagine how hard it would be to live, to talk, to eat, to interact, to spit on people you don't like? I mean, think about that. <laughs> don't do that. That's not nice. But if you're choosing body parts, you're not going to choose that part. My whole point is this. Your part matters. Are you hearing me today? Your part matters. And I, I want you to get that. And, and it might not be because you're visible it might not be because what you do, you would perceive, or even other people would say that's the most important. You might be, we, we say this often, but you might be that prayer warrior. I am convinced that in the kingdom of heaven, when we get up there, the people that are sitting at the right and left hand of Jesus probably will not be one of the 12 disciples, right? That we're fighting over it. You say, well, they walked with Jesus. Yeah, well, a whole lot of other people walked with Jesus. In fact, billions since then, you know? And somewhere there's someone that nobody knows, and they'll be sitting at the right hand. They'll be sitting on the, you know, however that works, right? They'll, they'll have close proximity to Christ, and no one ever heard of them, ever. 
but they were the most significant person on this earth, effectively. Your part matters. Your part matters. Um, this sounds maybe like not a big deal, but do you realize how many people leave a church because no one ever smiles at them? It kills me. There are Sundays, and we never mean to do it, but if you see me on a Sunday morning, it's just programmed in me. I am scanning. I want your permission. Never be upset with me if you come up to me and you, you want to talk, and, and I say, could you hang on a moment? How many of you, uh, you, I've done that to you. You come up to me, and I said, could you hang on a moment? It doesn't mean that I'm, no, I actually am ADD, all right? But it's not just because of that. I say, can you hang on a moment? Because there's somebody that I see that nobody's talking to, and I love talking to you, and I love my time with you, but I know that that person there needs maybe someone to talk to them. Do you realize how many people leave churches or come once and never come back because nobody smiled at them? It's not because you were mean or anyone intended to. It's just because we were all kind of into our thing, you know, and talking, which is exactly what we should do, and, you know, hug each other, talk to each other, connect. But also, they leave because nobody ever played that part. So sometimes um, people will come to me and I'll say, what caught, what, why did you come? Why did you stay? Why did, because if this one person, they reached out to me. And they talked to me, and it made all the difference in the world. You, you, and they'll say something like, you don't know how many churches I've walked into that nobody ever talked to me. It's not because we have a lot of mean churches out there, but because someone who perceivably had this really insignificant part in the part of the day had the most significant. They're the one that actually reached somebody. You follow me? You are invaluable to the work of God because you're intrinsically valuable because you're a child of God and you have practical value. There's a reason why God has you here. There's a reason. Anyone ever fallen asleep? This Again, we, these have been real simple messages, but they're for the intention of, if we want to go into this deep stuff that God wants us to do, if we want to reach our city, if we want to do all this stuff, you, we, we have to reconcile who we are in Christ. We got to get it. Have you ever had your arm fall asleep and you wake up and it's asleep? Like asleep asleep? Like scary asleep? Like, did someone lop it off in the middle of the night asleep? Like, seriously, when you go like that, and it's just weird, and you do it because it just feels weird. It's kind of fun for a while, but then you freak out, you know? You kind of do that deal. Yeah, that's scary, but, um, but you, you all of a sudden realize, man, life would not be good without this arm, you know? It wouldn't be good without it. Have you ever stubbed your toe? And what happens? Everything, your whole life falls apart for the next few minutes because your toe hurts, right? Every other bodily part is working fine. Your contribution, if you are not doing what God has called you to do, is like a part of the body falling asleep. And because the arm falls asleep, what is the rest? Guys, when I had my shoulder surgery um, last year, um, I, I just was worthless for a while. It's just my shoulder. This little clavicle was busted. So this arm couldn't do what it needed to do. And because of that, a whole lot of other people had to help me do stuff, right? Which I kind of liked for a while. <laughs> Ringing the bell, honey, you know, from my armchair. But the bottom line is this. Because my arm wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, guess what had to happen? Every other part of my body needed to work harder, 
if you're not doing what God has called you to do, because the enemy's gotten a, a core lie inside of you and you're believing it, or because maybe you're just you're, you're kind of fed up with church or you don't feel like that part is recognized, the whole body, in order to accomplish what you needed to be doing, is having to work harder and can't be as effective in what they're called to do. This is really just so simple, isn't it? But it's saying, guys, just rise up and do what you're called to do. Figure out, ask God, what, what do you want me to do? And, and I think that's why one of the scriptures that gets quoted twice in the scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is, wake up, O sleeper. Everyone hear this. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. And guess what? The light of Christ will shine on others. Because you're awake and you're saying, God, you know, I put off that old identity. I don't believe what the, what the enemy has to say. I'm, God, I'm listening to you now. I'm hearing you. I'm just believing that I do have a part. And I'm going to do that part. And I'm not requiring recognition. I'm not requiring that, that verbal praise. God, your praise, yeah, I'd like it. It's, that's why I told you last week. Remember that? I said, tell each other how you blessed one another. Remember that from last week? I said, tell each other. How, how you touched one another and make that a part of you because we need to hear those words. We need words of affirmation. We need that. The Bible says to encourage one another in, in, in what we do. But at the same time, don't require it to do what you're called to do. Don't, let, don't get offended because someone didn't recognize what you did. But know that what you did in secret, your Father in heaven saw and one day he will reward you openly. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He will. Guys, every good deed, everything that you do in the secret, it's all gonna, it, it all is seen. Those angels are watching. You know, you, you didn't take them out and do can. They applauded you for it, right? I mean, you're doing what you're saying. You have an audience. But do it in a way that you don't require it. So let me hit one other thing this morning. Some of you would say this, you know, I, I, okay, I get this. I want to do my part, but you don't understand who I am and, and why I feel the way I do. You know, my life has so many dark spots in it. I, I've done so much in my past that I feel disqualified from being used by God. But I want to come against that this morning and say what you feel disqualified you, or maybe even today, something that you're doing makes you feel disqualified did you know that if you give that over to the God, those things that you feel like disqualified, in the hands of God, our creator, he will actually use to qualify you more for what he's called you to do. You're, you divorced? You're qualified to speak to people about how God can heal through that. Have you been under a habitual sin? You are qualified to help people walk through that. Your past in God's hands, will never disqualify you. Your past will qualify you, enable you, and prepare you for helping to rebuild, helping to prepare people, helping to show other people that there's hope in their darkest moment. Guys, you got to say, God, instead of lamenting over the past, say, God, thank you that you qualified me more through that because what the enemy intended for harm, God, you're going to use for the good of those who are called to a, think of that, who are called according to your purpose, parenthetical insert from Jason, in the body of Christ. You follow that little mind stream? So you are actually more prepared today using that in the hands of God. He is. 
We get so intimidated by perfect spiritual people. You know, people that we, we perceive that when they walk in the room, they just kind of float in the room, you know. We get intimidated by that. But God says, don't be intimidated. You're prepared to make a huge difference. Let me, um, let me just say this. I'll get ready to close here. Your pre- this is kind of rounding back to where we started. You know, I, I've got my wife, Nancy. I've got five children. We've got three dogs. We used to have two. Now we have three. There's been threats of having four. Let me just say it publicly. No, we have three dogs. <laughs> That's where we're going to stay. We used to have a bird. That didn't work out so well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't leave them in cold rooms with no food or water. That's a bad idea. Um, um, we used to have a fish. You say you can't kill betta fish. And someone said, you, the guy at the store said, you'll never kill this betta fish. They're unkillable. It died the first day. <laughs> All right, but what we still have is we've got Nancy, five kids, three dogs. That's my family. If we have a family night, if we don't have that whole family there, guess what? I feel like we're missing something. We are each other's family here. And if you're not here, we miss you. You are missed. We need you. Everyone look around. Just really, truly look around. Do that awkward make eye contact thing. Everybody look around. Some of these people you don't even know. But did you know that we desperately need one another? And it's so good that we do. Man, I wouldn't want it any other way. The church isn't a place you go. The church is who you are. So you're his hand, you're his feet, you're his elbow. We're created uniquely by God to bring life. We have an identity. We have an identity that God wants to burn inside of us. And so pull up that last thing that we've been doing every week. I think from Bob Smart, I'm going to make you say this again because it's not based on how good you did or how last week or how poorly you did, but everyone say this. This is what it comes down to. I am pardoned of all my sins and accepted as righteous in his sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and received by faith alone. So um, we're going to end right now. And, but before we end, I'm going to share a video with you. Some of you that may have seen this, some of you haven't seen it, um, you know, we are, <clears throat> we are all adopted into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that, um, that we cry out with the spirit of adoption, Abba, Father, which means, some of you, many of you know this, it means Daddy, Father. The Bible says that, that, that we once weren't a part of his body. And some of you today, if you've not given your life to Christ, I want to tell you this. You do not have to live this life alone. You were not created to live this life alone. God wants you to be a part of this family. Guys, listen, some of you think, I, 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 when I came into the body of Christ, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, my mom had done her best to train me and give, put the seeds in me and everything, but I, I just felt like, man, I'm just too different. And I, you know, I also thought, I like sin too much. I enjoy sin too much. But I recognized that I needed Christ. So some of you, you've not given your life to Christ yet, and I want to encourage you, Man, come into the family. You, you're adopted in. We were watching videos last night of Cece when she came home. See, she, she was just the funniest little critter. 
ever when she came home from Columbia. And she'd say, I, I, I was on, I wasn't, I wasn't you. But now I am. And then she'd drink milk and she'd spill milk. But it was just great to see her embrace the identity of being a Dom Kaler, right? You have an identity. Um, God adopts us. Th- this video, it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's a little girl finding out that she's about to get adopted. And with that, the emotional response that she has to understanding that she has a new identity. Let's watch that video real quick. Well, there's one more gift. We have one more it's gift. It's not from Grammy, but it's, yeah, it's another gift. Why don't you careful open it up. There we go. I want you to read it. I'm going to be adopted? Let's have everyone stand up. Christ loves you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. You're adopted into his kingdom. I'm going to make you say a few things, a declaration at the end this morning, all right? Flow with me. Put your hand on your heart. Repeat after me. I am competent not in my own abilities, but competent because he has made me competent. I abide in Christ, and he abides in me, and I bear much fruit. I have the mind of Christ, so I am consistent with his actions. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I do not look with disdain on my weaknesses, but I see them as an opportunity for God. To manifest his powerful strength and his grace through me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me will be condemned. The spirit dwells in me. I am the temple of the living God. And he who is in me is greater than he is in the world. I am a part of the body of Christ. Wake me up, God. Make me confident in my identity. And help me do everything you've created me to do. In Jesus' name, amen.